Chapter Eight of the Life and Adventures of Michael Armstrong, the Factory Boy. This is a LibriVox recording. Chapter Eight, a very innocent tete-a-tete, -tete, but in which Miss Martha Dowling comes to a wrong conclusion, an unfortunate embassy, an agreeable excursion, a philosophical disquisition, a visit to the factory. While these things were going on in my lady Dowling's morning drawing-room, the forgotten Martha forgotten at least by all but little michael employed herself in seeking such a basket as might answer the purpose of a viaticum between the object of her father's charity and the mother and brother of whom he had so fondly spoken having at length succeeded in her quest she returned to the dining-room and was almost as much disappointed at finding the object of her good-natured exertions flown as the poor child himself had been when obliged to quit the room to which this kind friend had promised to return but martha though not a person very highly favoured by circumstances was nevertheless better off than michael inasmuch as by keeping out of sight she could pretty generally contrive to remain where she chose and do what she liked these enviable privileges enabled her now to sit down at one of the large open windows of the dining-room and to draw from her unseemly sized pocket a volume of shakespeare with which she determined to beguile the time till the boy should return or till by some means or other she might be able to discover what had become of him when therefore impelled by the playful but very ineffectual impulse of sir matthew's shove michael once more entered the dining-parlour he had the satisfaction of being again greeted by the friendly eye and friendly voice which had already so greatly cheered him so here you are again my little man said martha repocketing her book and rising i thought you would hardly forget the basket see here it is and now you shall help me pack it the help thus asked for was afforded by the happy child's holding the basket in his hand as he followed her round the table while with a smile that spoke as much pleasure as his own she selected all sorts of good things to put into it there now i don't think we can put in any more michael so set off and carry it to your mother with eyes beaming rapture and little hands that trembled with delight michael closed the lid of the basket and proceeded towards the door but ere he had fully reached it he stopped short and addressing martha in a tone as fearless and confidential as if she had been his sister he said but what do you think about teddy mightn't i change into my old clothes again and just step into the factory for one minute teddy can't almost never eat the dinner as we takes to the factory and a bit of this would do him so much good may i upon my word michael i am rather puzzled what to say replied his friend as papa has ordered you to have these clothes he might not be pleased at your taking them off again and it would be a great pity to make him angry with you when he is so very good and kind wouldn't it michael hung his head and said nothing but why need you to change your clothes my dear boy i dare say teddy would be very proud to see you look so nice still michael answered not but began assiduously picking to pieces the handle of martha's delicate basket don't do that dear said martha approaching and taking the offending hand in hers but tell me what you are thinking about i am thinking said michael that if i walked into the midst of em this way and up to poor teddy in his dirty ragged clothes it would look and here he stopped without finishing the sentence it would look how as if you were proud perhaps said martha the child shook his head no not that teddy would not think that he replied what would he think then tell me all that is passing in your little head and then i shall be able to advise you why he'd think said michael and tears started as he spoke 
he'd think that he and i could never be right down brothers any more martha involuntarily kissed the little face that was turned up to hers but replied laughingly oh that's foolish michael do you think that a fine jacket could separate two little brothers that love each other i think i could love you quite as well in a shabby coat as in a fine one michael looked at her very earnestly for a minute or two and then said almost in a whisper is sir matthew dowling as owns our factory your father yes michael replied martha colouring from some painful feeling which the expression of the boy's speaking features had given rise to the child coloured too but said with good courage please ma'am i should love teddy just as well and teddy would love me only the others maybe would mock at him and me too and i know teddy could not bear it then they would not be as good children as i think you are but tell me michael something about the mill papa has never let us see it yet and i believe it is only because mamma thinks it is a dirty place is it very dirty michael yes please ma'am and what makes it so my dear the cotton that goes into it looks as white as snow i never can get anybody to tell me anything about a mill but i think it must be very curious and i want to know michael what good such very little creatures as you can do there yet i have heard papa say that he pays a vast quantity of money to quite little children and that's the reason he says that the factories are such a blessing to the country you get wages don't you my little fellow yes ma'am i gets two shilling a week and teddy eighteen pence cause he's weaker that is not much to be sure but it's better than nothing isn't it yes ma'am do the children in general like it like what ma'am working in the factory my dear and getting money for their poor parents the children likes to have the wages replied michael but perhaps they do not like to do any work for them michael said martha laughing that's what papa says but it is not right my dear for little boys and girls to be always at play you know don't you think michael that it is proper for poor people's children to do something to help themselves if they can yes ma'am said michael but in so low a tone that it was as much as martha could do to hear it and so melancholy a look accompanied the words that she could not help thinking there was a great deal of truth in what she had constantly heard repeated by most of her father's friends and neighbours as well as himself namely that the factory children were a race of very idle ungrateful little creatures spoilt by the high wages and indulgence they received and quite unconscious of the inestimable advantages they possessed over all the other children in the british dominions but nevertheless though this disagreeable conviction pressed very painfully upon her martha could not help feeling very kindly disposed towards little michael and upon his presently saying shall i go to mother and teddy if you please ma'am she almost forgot all the naughtiness she attributed to him and his fraternity and only remembering the disadvantage that any disobedience to her father's wishes might bring upon him said wait one moment michael and i will find papa and ask if you may change your dress in order to visit your brother in the factory so saying she left the room and having ascertained that the visitors were gone ventured to seek her father in the drawing-room where she found him in deep consultation with dr crockley his two eldest daughters and his son as to the possibility of converting the schoolroom into a theatre all being of the opinion that the great drawing-room must be reserved for the ball and the dining-room for the supper which it was agreed on all sides must follow the representation may i speak to you papa said martha timidly on perceiving that the whole party was exceedingly earnest upon some theme or other 
oh goodness martha don't come to plague us now exclaimed arabella it is very odd but martha always does come in the way of everything said harriet i wish you were married or buried child cried the lively augustus for you make a monstrous bad hand at playing the young lady of fashion upon my life you grow fatter every day doesn't she doctor i wish you would dose her a little that miss martha is a little opaque i will not deny replied dr crockley familiarly coming behind her and measuring the expanse of her waist with his two hands may i speak to you papa repeated the patient martha quietly retreating from the jocose hands of dr crockley but apparently quite insensible to all the other attacks what do you want to say martha demanded sir matthew thus much encouraged she drew near and whispered to him the little boy that you have taken in papa wants to know if he may put on his old clothes again and go to speak to his brother in the factory do you hear this doctor exclaimed sir matthew the boy wants to go back to the factory again isn't that an answer to all the trash that people have been trying to get up about their being overworked it is just like em that's the very model of a factory child do what you will you can never content em the chap wants to get back to the factory said dr crockley addressing himself to martha with an accent that indicated surprise that's curious enough anyhow no sir i do not believe he wants to do any more than speak to his brother who is at work there he wanted to take him something that was left at luncheon papa and to show off his own good living to the factory that's it i suspect doctor one can understand that and what do you say to it i should have no objection i think what's your opinion only i don't see the fun of his going in his old rags if he went as you saw him just now it would make some fun wouldn't it capital by jove replied the doctor how quick you are sir matthew you seize everything in a moment what do you say to our going along with him mightn't we catch a hint or two as to how things were going on if i'm quick crockley upon my soul you are not slow replied the knight you've got your horse here of course the doctor nodded assent then i will order mine and we'll ride down to the mill together so get along martha and tell the boy that i will take him to the factory with me but that he is not to change his clothes martha felt quite aware that she had not executed her commission successfully but there was no help for it and therefore with the best grace she could she told her little client the result of it the whole aspect of the boy changed as he heard it and as if instinctively he placed the precious basket that till now he had continued to hold firmly in his hand upon a table near him but take your basket michael said the kind-hearted martha in a voice that was intended to cheer him i am sure papa won't be angry at your doing that for i told him about it no please ma'am i'd rather not said michael well then go into the hall by that door and wait till sir matthew comes through perhaps he will speak to you about it and at any rate you had better carry it as far as that the child obeyed her and taking up again the treasure he no longer valued passed out into the hall but before sir matthew and his friend entered it michael had put the worthless basket out of sight hardly had he done so when he heard the coarse laugh of sir matthew and the respondent titter of the doctor approaching the little fellow started and jumped aside in order to place himself out of their way but the knight striding to the place where he stood seized him by the shoulder with his hand while with a vigorous action of his enormous foot he sent him forward towards the house-door this feat which was performed with considerable dexterity met its reward in the shout of laughter with which dr crockley welcomed it 
by jove sir matthew he exclaimed as soon as he had recovered his breath there is nothing like you on the face of god's earth it is a confounded monopoly though let me tell you no man has a right to be the deepest reasoner the best jester and the most finished man of taste of his age it's monstrous sir knight and a conspiracy against you would be a very honest plot and as he spoke he held his sides as if still suffering from the effects of his excessive merriment a servant who followed the facetious pair now opened the door and on the broad esplanade of gravel before it a couple of grooms were holding the gentlemen's horses as soon as they were seated in their saddles with a mounted attendant behind them the great manufacturer turned round his head to seek the object of his charity michael stood doubting and trembling on the lowest step of the portico while a faint hope fluttered at his heart that the grand gentleman would ride away and forget him but it was quickly chased by the voice of sir matthew who bringing his horse's head so close upon the child as to touch him while he seemed almost to shrink into the pillar by which he stood to escape it said in a voice the jeering tone of which again almost convulsed dr crockley with laughter pray young gentleman may you happen to know the way to brookford factory the boy looked out upon the wide-spreading park and though despite the carefully chosen position of the mansion many towering grim-looking chimney-cones were seen to rise amidst their own lurid smoke in the distance for in that direction lay the town of ashley he could catch no glimpse of the hated walls that for years past had formed his daily prison-house he therefore answered but not very audibly no sir if you please speak up my hero vociferated sir matthew advancing upon him yes or no no replied the boy distinctly then be pleased to have the kindness to do me the favour of following my horse and i will have the honour of showing you the way so saying sir matthew gave a merry look of intelligence to his friend and they set off together at a brisk trot michael for a piecer was a tall child for his age note piecer the children whose duty it is to walk backwards and forwards before the reels on which the cotton silk or worsted is wound for the purpose of joining the threads when they break are called piecers or pieceners and though his limbs were wretchedly thin and attenuated they had sufficient elasticity to enable him for some time to keep at no great distance though it was a constantly increasing one from the two gentlemen but by degrees his breath and strength failed and perforce his speed relaxed into a panting shuffling walk sir matthew who from time to time turned round a laughing face to look at him now reined up his horse and awaited his approach upon which michael redoubled his efforts and in a few minutes stood beside his benefactor step on young gentleman step a little quicker if you please or perhaps i may find a way to mend your pace i am not very fond of such lazy company and suiting his action to his words he gave the quivering child several sharp cuts across the shoulders with his riding-whip he trots out in style now doesn't he doctor said sir matthew gaily making his well-bitted horse cross and recross the road in such a manner that at each manoeuvre the goaded child fancied himself already trampled beneath his feet don't you think i should make a good dancing master crockley capital by jove egad the youngster has learned some vastly pretty steps already by the way sir matthew continued the philosophical physician when one watches that pale-faced young scamp making such active caprioles for no reason on the earth but because he hears your pretty gentle jennet snuffing at his shoulder when one watches that 
it is impossible not to see that nothing in god's world but sheer wilful laziness makes those obstinate little brutes at the factory pretend to totter and stumble and faint and the devil knows what when all their work is to walk backwards and forwards as leisurely as if they were parading for pleasure nothing shall ever make me believe but that all the grunting and grumbling we hear about overworked children proceeds from a regular conspiracy among the worst of the parents and upon my soul if you yield to it you'll soon have to look after the wheels yourself get on with ye to the lodge there you lazy cur said the knight addressing his panting protege and wait till we come up then reining up his horse sir matthew drew close to his highly valued intellectual companion and falling into a gentle footpace continued the scientific discussion with deep interest and a wonderful clearness of perception it is quite curious to me crockley he said to observe how common sense and observation will often make a man of tolerable ability hit upon the very same facts and come exactly to the very same conclusions as the man of science who has passed his whole life in study what you have mentioned now is precisely what has occurred to me over and over again a thousand times i am sure at the very least since i have been working brookford factory for just watch my dear crockley any little village vagabond that you may chance to see as you ride about the country just watch him at play and tell me where you'll find a grown man that can keep moving as he does nowhere sir matthew nowhere upon the face of the earth and it stands to reason in spite of all that the confounded canters can say to the contrary that nature made them so on purpose why what's steam let them answer me that is steam man's making isn't it sent by providence and what for i should like to know isn't it for the good of mankind and how is it that good to be had if the nimbleness of children is not brought to bear upon it it is neither more nor less than a most shocking impiety sir matthew and upon my soul if i were you i would build a meeting-house of my own and hire a preacher too at a pretty good salary to preach against it but no church of england parson remember because if they don't preach the doctrine you like you would have no power to turn em out you're right crockley that's a devilish good idea i'll turn it over in my head and i shall like to hear some more of your notions about it by the way crockley you must not think of going home to dinner to-day we'll have a cool bottle of claret and talk the matter comfortably over and there's another thing too i want to speak to you about there's a devilish deal of talk about the health of the factory brats and i have a notion of appointing a regular medical practitioner upon my establishment who might always be ready if called upon to answer any questions that might be asked now i hear you are a man crockley capable of obliging a friend that deserves it and if it's agreeable to you instead of looking in now and then to give us an opinion as you do now you shall have a regular appointment with a couple of hundred a year just to look after the health of the children i should like such an arrangement exceedingly well sir matthew you know my love of science and this would give me a capital opportunity for speculating upon different constitutions egad sir matthew i should like to write a book upon the subject i think a monstrous deal of good might be done that way no doubt about it crockley a clever fellow like you may throw an amazing deal of light upon a subject that is really becoming exceedingly important especially when one recollects that the national wealth and prosperity depends upon it altogether you must come and dine with me often crockley without any ceremony and we may be able to hit out many a good thing over the bottle 
the two gentlemen now reached the lodge gates where little michael stood waiting for them and as the high road soon turned in such a direction as to make brookford factory visible he was ordered to run on and wait at the gates without minding them they accordingly proceeded in their conversation without interruption and in the course of it some very excellent hints were thrown out relative to the manufacturing interests in general and to that of brookford factory in particular having reached the gates of what was generally termed his magnificent establishment and waited till the stylish groom in attendance upon him came up sir matthew and his estimable friend left their horses with him and entered the court which protected by a very lofty wall surrounded the buildings on all sides those persons who have once in their lives seen a large cotton factory need no description of it for it has features which once looked upon can never be forgotten but for the information of those who have not a slight sketch of sir matthew dowling's establishment shall be given it consisted of very extensive buildings constructed in the centre of the enclosed court and forming three sides of a vast square the fourth being open on the side fronting the principal gates of entrance when it is stated that the edifice consisted of six stories and that each side of it presented six lines of windows containing forty windows in each line some idea of its magnitude may be conceived michael was already at the gates and on the approach of sir matthew rang the bell a ceremony necessary to obtain admittance both for masters and labourers no means of entrance or exit being ever left unsecured for a single instant the summons was answered by a lame boy stationed within to perform the office of porter he bent low before the great man and low too before his jeering friend though the jocose visits of the latter to the factory were dreaded as much as the lash itself neither the one nor the other seemed to see him but passed on then followed poor little michael hating most cordially the bravery of the attire which made him expect to meet the ridicule rather than the sympathy of his late companions on seeing a young stranger the lame porter looked up but from him at least michael had nothing to fear for the boy's languid eye surveyed his altered person without the slightest suspicion of ever having seen it before sir matthew like most others of his craft was not in the habit of indulging his family by exhibiting them to the secret arcana of that hideous mystery by which the delicate forms of young children are made to mix and mingle with the machinery from whence flows the manufacturer's wealth this divine portion of the vast engine being considered however as a very inferior though necessary part of it but although they had never honoured the premises with a visit it was of course well known to all that sir matthew dowling was the father of a numerous progeny and michael passed on amidst such blessings as human nature under such circumstances was likely to bestow on one of them the party entered the building whence as all know who have done the like every sight every sound every scent that kind nature has fitted to the organs of her children so as to render the mere unfettered use of them a delight are banished for ever and for ever the ceaseless whirring of a million hissing wheels seizes on the tortured ear and while threatening to destroy the delicate sense seems bent on proving first with a sort of mocking mercy of how much suffering it can be the cause the sense that reek around from oil tainted water and human filth with that last worst nausea arising from the hot refuse of atmospheric air left by some hundred pairs of labouring lungs rendered the act of breathing a process of difficulty disgust and pain all this is terrible 
but what the eye brings home to the heart of those who look round upon the horrid earthly hell is enough to make it all forgotten for who can think of villainous smells or heed the suffering of the ear-racking sounds while they look upon hundreds of helpless children divested of every trace of health of joyousness and even of youth assuredly there is no exaggeration in this for except only in their diminutive size these suffering infants have no trace of it lean and distorted limbs sallow and sunken cheeks dim hollow eyes that speak unrest and most unnatural carefulness give to each tiny trembling unelastic form a look of hideous premature old age but in the room they entered the dirty ragged miserable crew were all in active performance of their various tasks the overlookers strap in hand on the alert the whirling spindles urging the little slaves who waited on them to movements as unceasing as their own and the whole monstrous chamber redolent of all the various impurities that by the perfection of our manufacturing system are converted into gales of araby for the rich after passing in the shape of certain poison through the lungs of the poor so sir matthew proudly looked about him and approved and though it was athwart that species of haughty frown in which such dignity as is apt to clothe itself dr crockley failed not to perceive that his friend and patron was in good humour and likely to be pleased by any light and lively jestings in which he might indulge perceiving therefore that little michael passed on with downcast eyes unrecognised by any he wrote upon a slip of paper for he knew his voice could not be heard make the boy take that bare-legged scavenger wench round the neck and give her a kiss while she is next lying down and let us see them sprawling together sir matthew read the scroll and grinned applause the miserable creature to whom the facetious doctor pointed was a little girl about seven years old whose office as scavenger was to collect incessantly from the machinery and from the floor the flying fragments of cotton that might impede the work in the performance of this duty the child was obliged from time to time to stretch itself with sudden quickness on the ground while the hissing machinery passed over her and when this is skilfully done and the head body and outstretched limbs carefully glued to the floor the steady moving but threatening mass may pass and repass over the dizzy head and trembling body without touching it but accidents frequently occur and many are the flaxen locks rudely torn from infant heads in the process it was a sort of vague hope that something comical of this kind might occur which induced dr crockley to propose this frolic to his friend and probably the same idea suggested itself to sir matthew likewise i say master michael vociferated the knight in a scream which successfully struggled with the din show your old acquaintance that pride has not got the upper hand of you in your fine clothes take scavenger number three there round the neck now 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 as she lies sprawling and let us see you give her a hearty kiss the stern and steady machinery moved onward passing over the body of the little girl who owed her safety to the miserable leanness of her shrunken frame but michael moved not are you deaf you little vermin roared sir matthew now she's down again do what i bid you or by the living god you shall smart for it still michael did not stir neither did he speak or if he did his young voice was wholly inaudible and the anger of sir matthew was demonstrated by a clenched fist and threatening brow where the devil is parsons he demanded in accents that poor michael both heard and understood 
fine as he is the strap will do him good in saying this the great man turned to reconnoitre the space he had traversed and by which his confidential servant must approach and found that he was already within a good yard of him that's good i want you parsons do you see this little rebel here that i have dressed and treated like one of my own children what do you think of his refusing to kiss miss number three scavenger when i bid him the devil he does said the manager grinning we must see if we can't mend that mind your hits masterpieceer and salute the young lady when the mules go back like a gentleman sir matthew perceived that his favourite agent feared to enforce his first brutal command and was forced therefore to content himself with seeing the oiled and grimy face of the filthy little girl in contact with that of the now clean and delicate-looking michael but he felt he had been foiled and cast a glance upon his protege which seemed to promise that he would not forget it having made known to the superintendent that it was his pleasure to enter the room where the brother of michael was at work mr parsons led the way to the fifth floor of the building sir matthew however ordering the door of each chamber as he passed up to be opened for him that he might look in upon his stifling slaves and satisfy himself that neither wheels nor sinews were loitering in unthrifty repose the air that issued from each was nauseous and on entering the room at the farther end of which edward armstrong was employed dr crockley secretly resolved that when making the final arrangements for his promised appointment it should be specified that he should never enter the working portion of the establishment for though by no means a particularly scientific practitioner the little doctor knew quite enough of the business he followed to be aware that in his own case at least the air which filled it could not be breathed with impunity now then sir said sir matthew addressing himself to michael while parsons opened the door on the fifth floor and announced that this was the room that contained edward now sir walk on and find your brother and if your pride does not stand in your way let him be made to understand all the extraordinary kindness i have shown you take care that you let him and all his companions know that i have adopted you as one of my own family and that henceforward they will always see you dressed as well as you are at present all that michael clearly understood from this harangue was that he had permission to go forward and speak to his brother and though not venturing quite to run he moved onward at a pace that speedily brought him within sight of edward the little fellow who despite his gay disguise immediately recognized him uttered a cry of joy love conquered fear and dropping the reel he had just taken between his fingers he rushed from the place he occupied before the mules and the next moment was fondly clasped in his brother's arms every labourer in the factory within sight of the spot where this meeting took place forgot all standing orders in their astonishment and stood with gaping mouths and eyes fixed upon the astounding spectacle sir matthew too forgot for an instant that every movement made within that crowded chamber not having for its object the transmutation of human life into gold was a positive loss to him for the display of his extraordinary benevolence was he conceived of high importance and he looked round with great contentment on the multitude of wondering faces which he saw peering over the machinery in all directions to gaze on the sight he had prepared for them this will be talked of or the devil is in it thought he i should like to know who would dare to mention night-work and hard usage now a capital scheme this as ever was hit upon and from the gazers he now turned his eyes upon the object that fixed their attention when to his inconceivable astonishment and rage he perceived that the two boys who still stood locked in each other's arms were both weeping bitterly 
not loud but deep were the curses that he breathed against the unfortunate object of his affected bounty and faithfully did he pledge a promise to his own heart that he should pay for the vexation he thus occasioned him but for the present he condescended to veil the feeling by a smile more bland than any one ever before witnessed from him within those walls and striding forwards to the sobbing children he laid a hand on the shoulder of each while he said in a voice that seemed endowed by nature with an especial power of competing with the thunder of a cotton-mill come come my dears i know you are crying for joy but you must not go on so or it will look as if little michael was ungrateful for all i have done for him have you told your brother dear how i ordered you to take some nice things home to your mother that will make him look up i'll answer for it there now i'll leave you here that you may tell all your friends that you have been made a gentleman of on account of your good behaviour and because you was faithful to your master let them have ten minutes parsons with the mule standing still that they may all hear the story sir matthew then turned about and hastened out of the factory followed by dr crockley and as they slowly rode homewards by some roundabout lanes that were shaded from the sun they discussed high thoughts such as lycurgus loved when he bade flog the little spartans and ere they reached the luxurious abode of the night had between them sketched such a scheme of political moral and religious defence for the factory system in all its branches and in all its bearings that the doctor as he descended from his horse snapped his fingers triumphantly exclaiming a fig for them all sir matthew if they mine egad will countermine and we start with a pretty tolerable advantage you are a man of science sir matthew dowling and i need not tell you that a powerful movement once in action is devilish hard to stop the vis inertia will work for us my friend not to mention that when the animals find out their only alternative is labour or starvation labour such and so much as you and your bounty will be pleased to bestow they will all grow as patient as so many sucking doves these words were spoken as they slowly mounted together the steps of the stately portico sir matthew as a reply shook his friend cordially by the hand and leading the way to the cool and lofty library ordered iced water and claret to wash away the effect of their half-hour's visit to the factory End of chapter eight